the 15th floor of the Energy Building, this is GNR Airtime, the podcast that explores the current trends from emerging and well-established industries hosted by the lawyers of GNR. This podcast is for general guidance only and does not constitute definitive advice. Hello everyone, welcome to GNR Airtime. My name is Bagus Wicaksono and today I am joined by my colleagues Tama Sukirno, Dion Alfadia, and Rian Diapriliansha. Hello. In this episode of the GNR Airtime, we will be discussing with James Prananto, COO and co-founder of Kopi Kenangan. Kopi Kenangan is one of the fastest growing coffee chains in Indonesia and one of, if not the first, coffee chain in Indonesia to receive significant funding from prominent venture capital houses. To explain further on the Kopi Kenangan phenomenon, without further ado, we welcome James Prananto. Hi, Bagus. Thanks for having us. Thanks for making the time to talk to us. Right, so I think in order for us to fully dive into, actually, and we want to discover more about Kopi Kenangan, I think we should start from the very beginning. So, simple question, when did Kopi Kenangan start and how many shops did you have back then? Uh, so, we actually started in uh, late August 2017. That was mm. our first shop. So for the first year, we actually bootstrap our uh, stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from August 2017 and October 2018, we actually only had uh, eight stores. Eight stores, wow. Okay. And then uh, as you know, in October 2018, uh, we actually decided to raise fund. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we got our first uh, seed funding from Alpha JWC. Right. We're, we're going we're gonna to dive deeper on that part because that's actually one of the most interesting part actually. Yeah. Definitely. Now, how many shops uh, do you have now? Uh, per today, we have uh, 108 shops uh, right. across uh, 14 cities. Okay, <laughs> that's amazing. So it's about 54 stores or, or so uh, per year. So it's not really 54 stores per year. So basically, when we got our first fund, which was uh, October 2018, we only had eight. Yeah. So, so within the <laughs> less than a year, we, we grew about 100. Yeah, so 100 per year now, yeah. right? So that shows how significant uh, funding from your investors is. We will discuss uh, that in another part of this discussion later. Just wanted to know, uh, just wanted to give comparison that uh, some other uh, coffee uh, shop chains Uh, it's not an Indonesian chain. They've been here since 20, uh, 2002. Uh, they have around 400 stores. 400 stores in 17 years. You guys have 108 stores in two years. That's, that's less just amazing. <laughs> yeah, even less, yeah. And on average, so you have one, 108. Uh, how many cups do you sell in one store? On average, just, just roughly. Uh, on average per month, we sell about 1.5 million, over uh, 1.5 million uh, cups. So for the, uh, for the entire 108? Yeah. Okay, and then? Uh, in maybe less than 108 because there's like some new stores. Okay. But then uh, okay. lastly, we close at uh, 1.5 million cups per month. Are your stores only in Java or also in the entire part of Indonesia? Uh, mostly in Java, but then we have uh, some outside. Uh, for example, we just opened our Makassar stores uh, about a month ago. Right. Uh, and of course, we're expanding to other uh, part of Indonesia like uh, Sumatra and so on. That's amazing. So do you have any target in the number of stores, say, in a certain period of time? Uh, we want to close this year with uh, 180 to 200 stores. Right. Uh, next year with 500 to 600 stores, and then hopefully by 2021, by uh, we'll reach 1,000 stores. 
1,000 stores by 2021. Okay, I have my calculator here. <laughs> say, say you have 1,000 uh, stores in 2021, and now you have 100 means like almost 10 times uh, yes. the, the cups that you're selling now. So it means 15 uh, million cups uh, a month. Uh, I have my calculator now with, with 15 million uh, a month your uh, monthly revenue, say one cup is 20,000, uh, it won't be 20,000 by 2024, right? But it will, your revenue, monthly revenue will be around 300 billion uh, rupiah, and that's amazing. That's an amazing number. I think for me personally, equally interested in is actually the start of it. What gave you the idea of starting Kopi Kenangan? Uh, basically, me and my co-founders, we saw there's a missing gap in the retail coffee market. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, uh, the last three years, um, if you go to like uh, offices or you go to uh, malls, if you want to buy like a good kind of coffee, you either go to your big brands, which is about 40, 50,000 uh, rupiah per cup, per cup. Or the next option is you go to like your supermarket and buy your RTD, which is like 5,000 to 10,000. There's no really like any guys who's doing uh, good quality coffee at like about 18 to 20,000. So that's that's kind of the gap that we're, uh, we, we felt that uh, there's a missing gap there. Because if you think about it like uh, bubble tea, there's a lot of bubble tea. And then those guys are playing at about 20,000 uh, per cup. So, but there was like non-coffee players who's doing that. Uh, so we tried to fill in that gap uh, and luckily it worked. Uh, interesting stories actually, our first store uh, was in an office. Mm. Uh, when we wanted to open that store, our friends and family actually thought we were crazy. Uh, the reason is, uh, next to us there's Starbucks, there's Coffee Bean, there's Family Mart who sells 10,000 uh, rupiah coffee. Uh, behind us there's like this traditional uh, office. Uh, coffee and across the road there's like the Warung Warung who sells instant coffee. Right. So there's just so many coffee players within in in that 20-30 meters area. Uh, so it's but like the our worst place to start a business. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but our hypothesis was if we're able to succeed there, it means that whenever we go, wherever we go, we can succeed. And luckily we, we actually did really, really well on that first stores which actually gave us confidence to actually open uh, the, other, the, the new, new other outlets. And, and also, just to add on that, um, even in that range of, you, as you said, 18 to 20,000, you're actually also not the first to doing that, right? Um, you had you know, sort of uh, these coffees that you know, had the similar you know, sugar, bularen, and, and coffee, basically. What sort of, but, you know, what sort of distinguished you, know, you from, from them. All right. So uh, I think in the beginning, it was more towards uh, just uh, understanding the market. For example, uh, I, uh, <coughs> I agree with you that we're not, we were not the pioneer for uh, this coffee susu at 18,000, 20,000. But then if you think about it, like uh, those pioneer guys, uh, they were actually located pretty far in, from the commercial areas. Yeah. Uh, so most of them actually in the shop houses. Yeah. But then they're selling a lot of coffees, right? So we were thinking, you know what, if these guys like at the end of Jakarta and then they can sell a lot of coffee, uh, why don't we bring it like closer to the, the market? Mm. So that, that was actually one of our, uh, our thinking. Mm. And then of course, as we move forward, we try to, uh, we try to innovate. Mm. Uh, so one of the things that we, why, why we're different than the other guys 
is we're actually really really a coffee shop. Uh, yeah. Why do I say that? Uh, if you go to Kopi Kenangan stores, you will actually see uh, we use a real espresso machine, which is mm-hmm. Lamar That's kind of like the uh, BMW or Mercedes of uh, coffee machines. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the grinder, we use a top line grinder too. Uh, and then in terms of uh, the ingredients that we use, for example, our milk, we use uh, Greenfields, mm-hmm. which is where people actually know Greenfield is it's not cheap. It's expensive, it's actually premium. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, what we want to uh, convey to people is that you know what, there's many people who's doing coffee at eighteen thousand, mm-hmm. but then we're probably the only ones that's using the kind of like the top end uh, coffee machines mm. uh, to make it feel like you're actually in a coffee shop. Uh, because if you see uh, our competitors, um, many of them use like these machine called uh, Rockpresso, mm-hmm. which is yeah. you press the espresso and that's that is actually not a good way to make coffee because mm. it really leads to inconsistencies mm. right. uh, so we actually really put a lot of investments in our machineries uh, and our ingredients uh, just to make sure that people when people think of coffee kenangan oh it's an 18,000 uh, per cup coffee, but then the quality that you're getting, it's kind of like your, your Starbucks quality. Yeah, you don't yeah. compromise on, on yes. quality. Yeah. So, so I guess I, what, what I gather is that, you know, obviously the, the product, um, as you mentioned, is, is sort of uh, top quality for the price. But also interesting that, that you mentioned as well is, is sort of the distribution channel, right? I mean, the offices are focused, uh, you, you're quite focused on, and, and I guess, um, Related to, to that distribution channel and sort of opening uh, sort of shops in, in all these uh, locations is, is inexplicably tied with sort of funding that, that you mentioned earlier that, that you got uh, from Alpha in, in seed seed uh, in a round and we just wanted to talk a little bit about that. So what started the idea for you to, to seek funding? Was it you know conceived from the first store that you wanted to eventually get funding, or was it just you know organic or? So there were actually multiple things why we actually ended up uh, trying to find funds. Uh, I think originally when we first started, uh, of course we didn't think about uh, getting fund, uh, funded, but then uh, as we go uh, forward, uh, we realized that uh, actually most, most, most guys would actually do franchise. Mm. And we were a bit hesitant to do franchise because one, uh, I think the main thing is we, we see this brand as a brand that's going to be here for the next 20, 30 years. Uh, not just a quick ca- cash grab and then three years down yeah. the line, it's, it's gone. So that's why we feel that uh, we felt that franchise is not the way to go because mm. you cannot maintain the quality of the products and also the service. Uh, so that's why we decided, you know what, uh, I think if we were to do this, I think we need to make our own stores. Mm. Um, and then secondly, uh, I think we were also lucky in, in, in terms of timing uh, mm. because uh, if you guys know, uh, in China, there's a coffee startups called Lock & Coffee. Yeah. Uh, so recently they just IPO'd at $4 billion uh, yeah. valuation. And if you see their market cap right now, it's ranging in the 5 to $6 billion. So because at uh, that time, Lock was already making uh, big waves in uh, China and also globally, mm. uh, we thought that maybe it was uh, a good time for us to try and test the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently there was a very high interest uh, uh, to somehow uh, replicate Lakin in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we were uh, we were lucky enough to to get an investor, a good partner, uh, so we can uh, execute our vision to opening as many stores as possible. 
just just out of curiosity, uh, James, you don't have to answer this. Who do you consider your competitors here in Indonesia? Uh, to be honest with you, right now we don't see any head-to-head right now, because right. uh, most of the coffee guys are different in some sense. Even yeah. though we sell the same products, for example, like Starbucks, uh, they sell coffee, but their game is more a third home, which is uh, your big cafe mm. uh, where yeah. actually people to go there to actually enjoy the the ambiance. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you have uh, those guys who sell coffees also at our price range, but then those guys are doing franchising. Yeah. Uh, so currently, we don't really see any guys that's pretty similar to us. That that's exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. So you mentioned for the first year of operation, you said that you didn't have any outside funding. So how did you fund the business? Uh, for the bootstrap, I think luckily uh, we are all the co-founders uh, have a bit of money, and then initially the investment wasn't that big, uh, so we kind of use our own money. Uh, and of course, as we open uh, a few stores, we we interesting for for the first year we never took any money out of the company. So we basically just roll it over to make the new uh, stores and so on. How did you you know end up you know meeting your investors? Was it you know them approaching you? Were you, were you making cold calls? Were you sort of going around, sort of selling uh, sort of your company uh, for investment? Uh, so we were lucky enough where one of our uh, co-founders actually. Uh, he works. He he has his own startup, so he already has the connections with all the the funds, all the PEs and VCs. Uh, but then I think it was more because uh, one is the Lucken story. So all these VCs, when when they heard that we want to meet them, they right away want to meet us. Mm. Uh, and then secondly, is actually uh, it's just our numbers because yeah. uh, when we met uh, the VCs, uh, we actually ran about. We were already operational for about one year, hmm. uh, so we have all the data, uh, our financials, our numbers uh, that we can show. It's not just a proof of concept; uh, it's something that's already operating. Uh, and then, basically, our number is good, uh, so that's kind of also kind of close the deal with them. Uh, and also, you, you talked about sort of you know investors looking at you and looking at at Luckin um, Coffee, but I guess there's also the, the other side where you also have to feel you know comfortable with your investor um, so w- what are the sort of the things that that you look at you know as an investor you know what what sort of the you know added value i guess that that you look for uh, from those investing in you um, so there's a few things i think uh, with uh, alpha gwc uh, partly is because they're actually indonesian mm. uh, they're indonesian and then they have a very good track records mm. so one i think we we saw that uh, we saw that uh, their portfolio almost uh, all of them succeed mm. and then uh, just being an indonesian uh, vc uh, they kind of understand the market better mm. um, so that 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 was kind of the reasoning why we picked them mm. uh, in terms of sequoia i think um, when we actually first met sequoia uh, we kind of thought that we didn't want to take the money mm. because we di- we don't need it yet. Uh, but then after we uh, we went with them uh, and then understanding what uh, they've done, uh, their track record, I think the, they, they invested in Tokopedia, uh, Gojek, uh, and then just to have uh, an approval of the this big VC, is a global VC, yeah. um, that was partly a motivation for us uh, to do to to work with them and and actually even after we close the deal uh, we see that they're very very helpful in a sense that um, they it's not it's not that they just give you money and mm. then 
expect you to do everything, but they actually do uh, a lot of interaction with us, whether it's exchanging ideas about strategies or uh, just uh, giving us the right networks if we need anything. Mm. So if you ask me, I think uh, what we value is is having that that kind of connection mm. uh, and also the networking. Yeah, and um, you obviously you don't have to answer this, but you know, so so far it seems that you know most of your investors are are sort of financial institutions or right? like uh, VCs. Uh, do, do you see yourself sort of you know partnering up or or getting investments from strategics, you know, more corporate corporates you know, in which you can synergize and, and those sorts of things? Uh, we're actually pretty open with everything. So uh, right now, I think we're at the stage where uh, to get an investment, uh, it's not only about the money because mm. uh, we're uh, pretty blessed with that. So I think we're at the stage where uh, to get an investment, I think it's more strategic and on how we can help this uh, company grow bigger. Right. So it's good to know that, you know, we see VCs as financial investors. I mean, we generally see there are two types of investors, financial investors and strategic investors, but we always see VC as financial investors. But actually, this is perhaps for the listeners who come from uh, business players just like you. When they, I mean, obviously you didn't need the money. You are a profitable business even before 2018. So you don't really need the money, if I may. But uh, you you see other values uh, partnering up with these uh, VCs realizing their money. That's, that's just good to know. On that point on, on being profitable, which is you know interesting because you you really usually look at startups and VCs as uh, you know or investments by VCs in, in sort of companies that aren't profitable, uh, and you know you're just burning cash. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that on sort of you know cash burning from getting all these funds. Is is that something that Kopi Kanangan does or you know, looking to do or? Uh, so one of the reasons why uh, VCs and PEs actually likes us is because mm. we're growing at a startup rate mm. but then in terms of uh, profitability we're actually really really profitable. Mm. Uh, we actually don't believe in uh, burning money for no reasons mm. and uh, up until this point uh, we burn very very minimal because mm. uh, basically uh, the, the, way, the way we see it, uh, you know, if we're talking about like those e-commerce, uh, usually how, why they're in the red is usually because they do a lot of marketings and promotions mm. and a lot of subsidies. Uh, in our case, we, we, the only subsidy that we do is when we open our stores. Mm. Uh, when we open our stores, we do kind of like a buy one, get one uh, for about three days to seven days. Uh, the reason is just to get people to actually uh, taste our product. And we actually believe in our product and once you taste it, you'll come back. Hmm. So that's the only subsidy that we kind of do. Um, and then in terms of marketing, basically our marketing is our stores. So hmm. as we open uh, more stores, which uh, is in the plan, hmm. uh, then it's uh, good marketing for us. So that's why we don't really burn a lot of, uh, a lot of money on that. I, I think that this relates to my previous question on who your competitors are. The answer is you don't have exactly head-to-head competitor at this point. So. I, w- well, I don't know what I see. How, uh, why e-commerce uh, business players they do cash burning? I think basically that's the the pressure from the competitors. So they they basically don't use my e-commerce, not the other platform. That's when cash burning becomes uh, relevant. But in your case, when there is no head-to-head competitors and you are way ahead of, uh, if if someone tries to replicate your uh, business model, you're way ahead of them. Uh, you had a very uh, good head start. 
uh, well, I, I see it, it makes so much sense when you say cash burning is not relevant for you at this point. Still tapping into the funding aspect of the of Kopi Kenangan uh, recently. So we want to shift a little bit from the funding aspect back to the business, especially following the, the latest fundraising that Kopi Kenangan did. We note that there's a, actually a new addition of the application. So that's post the, the, the latest investment, we believe. I think, I believe all of us have downloaded the app and we've seen how the, how the application works, yeah, right? Yeah, we get, we get SMS that it's from your ex or something like that, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> it, it, that's scary stuff, you know? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, and except, well, for me personally, it's actually very useful because we actually, the, the nearest location of Kopi Kenangan is uh, actually in the, uh, the building, building adjacent, yeah. adjacent to our building. And there is always a long queue from people basically pleading for the coffee. Of you, you better open one in this building, <laughs> James. Yeah, Seriously, that's one. That's one of the key takeaways. But other than that, because part of the series that we're talking about in in our podcast is actually about fintech and the development of it in relation to Kopi Kenangan, customers can actually pay from the app. And how does it actually work? Uh, so we actually partner with uh, e-payment app. Right. Uh, there's a few. Uh, so basically, uh, the main function of the app, uh, there are two things, which is one is for loyalty. Because uh, if, if you use the app, you mm. actually get this uh, called Kenangan Points, yeah. uh, which is one-to-one -one with uh, Rupiah. So one Kenangan Points is one Rupiah. And then, of course, the second use of the app is actually to pre-order, meaning that uh, now that you, you, you know you want to get your coffee, you mm. order now. Uh, ten minutes later, you come to the, to the shop and just pick it up. No need, right, uh, yeah. no need to queue anymore. Uh, and in order for the pre-order to work, you actually, uh, we have two payment systems. One is the e-wallets and the other one is credit card. Uh, e-wallet, we partners with the, a few big guys. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, very e-wallet right now, uh, basically in the past year, I think e-wallet has become a big, big part in our uh, society. Uh, I can actually share that. Um, more than 50% 50, uh, 50 of our transaction is done through e-wallet. Right. Uh, okay. And then that number was probably only about 10, 15% just last year. So the, 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 the growth of e-wallet is, is very, very rapid. So it's very, very interesting. Is, is that because, um, yeah, just, just want to curious, is that because of sort of the cashback and all those things or is it you know, people just got used to um, you know, doing transactions that way? Or? I think in the beginning, it's all because uh, of the cashback. Mm. Uh, but then um, now we're seeing it's just because people are more used to it. Mm. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, uh, you usually hold your phone more out compared to your wallets. And then sometimes when you queue, uh, you're playing with your phone and then you're paying, you know what, might as well pay with my phone. Much easier. Yeah. So th this, is this is actually spot on. That's what we really want to know. Uh, so. E-money. So you're partnering with the big guns. Uh, there's cashback and everything, but then you said it's not really the cashback. It's uh, actually the, the the ease of doing it, the ease of uh, making the payment that makes customers keep using the e-money rather than uh, paying cash. Right. So is Kopi Kenangan thinking of uh, having its own uh, payment system? Um, to be honest with you, we we don't know yet. Uh, it's a very very possible. Uh, because I think it makes sense uh, just because um, we actually see uh, one of the things that we see is actually Starbucks US. Mm. Uh, Starbucks US uh, has one of the most successful loyalty program 
if you check their report, actually, uh, there's $2 billion preloaded into Starbucks cards. Uh, the reason is actually simple. In, in the States, uh, a cup of Starbucks is about uh, $3, $4. Mm-hmm. So if you actually uh, buy cof- Starbucks coffee every day and you compare it to their uh, dispo- uh, minimum income, it's going to be about 4 to 6% off minimum income. Wow. Uh, and coffee is a daily drinks, right? So yeah. basically, you want to buy daily. Whereas in Indonesia, if you buy Starbucks, you know the minimum wage in Jakarta is four million. Yes. You buy Starbucks every day, that's gonna cost you about thirty to forty percent of your minimum salary. Yes. So it doesn't make sense here. But then if you buy coffee kenangan every day uh, for your coffee needs, uh, that's gonna translate to about six to eight percent. So that is something. Uh, our own payment is something that we wanna see, uh, mm-hmm. but mostly is for loyalty. Because yeah. uh, I think it makes sense, and there's a daily use case. Um, so yeah, let's see. Yeah, that, that's that's good to know actually. Because I mean, first you mentioned Starbucks US. We wanted to quote the, our data uh, on Starbucks US, but then you said it already, <laughs> uh, which is uh, definitely valid. Uh, we would like to see Kopi Kenangan as Starbucks US. Uh, in the beginning of our discussion, uh, we had a rough calculation of 300 billion uh, a month uh, for kopi kenangan it's it's not a small uh, figure yeah. uh, and the fact that you guys are thinking of okay we have to have our own pay- our own payments and then you have you guys have uh, the the strategic partners the the, the investors that have uh, capabilities knowledge in this uh, sphere uh, i think you're going on the right direction as <laughs> simple as that so I'm just curious if we go back to the funding and the uh, Luckin phenomena. You, you mentioned that Luckin has been IPO with so many billions valuations. Is that an indication of where Kopi Kenangan goes, or you have different strategy? Um, we IPO is one of the options that we're exploring, uh, but not anytime soon. Probably earliest uh, 2021, 2022. So. Still on, on, on that, not, not to say that you are comparable with Luckin Coffee or the same. So is there any distinguish between their business scheme and your business scheme? Basically, uh, the distinction between, between you, you and them? Uh, in terms of similarities, I think uh, one is we grab and go. Uh, where if you see the older models of coffee was actually coffee shops, right? Where you take 100, 150 meters Uh, uh, space. Uh, whereas uh, I think with Lakin and us, what we've tried to do is, you know what? I think we we see that the the shift uh, is changing. Uh, now, the model is not uh, to make a big cafe, but it's more grab and go. So that's kind of like the similarities that we have. Uh, and of course, on top of that is technology, because at the end of the day, uh, even though we're FNB players, there's also part of technology uh, for for us and Lakin. Uh, for us internally, uh, what we want to do is, uh, I, I we hope with with the app, I think one is a better customer experience, because uh, if you go to our stores, you see there's the line is quite long. Uh, we know that we lost uh, a few sales from there, so we want a better customer experience from the app. Uh, and on top of that, I think we also want to understand our customers better, because uh, we we know there's like we definitely know there's some cases where people actually come to Kopi Kenangan not to to buy the coffee. Uh, maybe they they buy the Mari Regal or they buy the Thai tea. Uh, 
so just by having the app, then I can understand my customer better and then, uh, for example, give a more targeted uh, uh, promotions to them. Yeah, j just one uh, question from me, James. The, are you thinking of uh, opening a store uh, with drive-thru facility? Uh, we don't have m that many in Jakarta, things like that. It's one of the things that we're exploring, but nothing concrete yet. Right. Please, if, if you do, please open it in Senopati or Kemang area. <laughs> <laughs> so the nearer, the better. We'll do, we'll the nearer, do. the better. <laughs> right. Okay, this has been a very interesting discussion. Actually, we have so many questions, but I think just for the purpose of our discussion this evening, I think we'd like to close with just one last question, actually. As the co-founder of Kopi Kenangan, which everyone has heard of it, everyone has seen the development of it, the growth of it, what advice that, uh, would you give young entrepreneur and future founders? Um, I think the advice that I would give is actually to uh, just get started. Because mm -hmm. I think, uh, especially with this millennials, uh, millennials uh, age, mm -hmm. now they see their friends in Instagram, like traveling and so on. Oh, they say, oh, I, I want to do that and in order to, to be able to travel there, I need to be successful. But then they, they only think, oh, I, I want to be successful, but they never uh, start anything. Okay. Uh, so I think it's just getting started, whatever ideas you have. Because uh, even like with us, I think who would have thought like 18,000 copies or so can actually make this kind of wave, right? right. Uh, so I think yeah. just start. That, that's that's very good advice. So millennials, if if you want to have good business, you want to be like James, but then what you do is apply to a law firm. That's not a good idea. <laughs> extra question, extra question. Uh, your coffee is obviously themed on you know kenangan and sort of exes and everything. Just curious, did you or your founders you know were you inspired by your exes or what? What's her this uh, crazy idea of? of <laughs> I think it was. Partly because of that, I think it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is ha heartbreak that uh, turned into a multi-million dollar <laughs> business. Okay. But I think that's uh, a good heartbreak. A, yeah. a bigger story is that uh, we wanted to make something Indonesian because when we started, uh, we see all the big coffee brands. It's almost all of them are international brands, like foreign brands. So we wanted to make something uh, local. That's why we picked a, a local name. And then why the word Kenangan itself? It's because I we felt that it's actually relatable for uh, for all ages and for all genders. Okay, nice. Imagine how your exes now feel. Eh? <laughs> well, it is certainly relatable to all yeah. of us here at the very least, yeah. Right, okay, again, thank you very much. Uh, again, James, we are very excited thank to very see Kopi Kenangan go even further and hopefully in our next episodes where we're gonna be able to share more with Kopi Kenangan or even how uh, James and his co-founders able to just start things up and then share more information and knowledge with all of our listeners. We hope to see you again in the next episode and this is GNR Airtime. We'll see you soon.